Yo, welcome to another episode of The Fix. Today we welcome the ginger prince of the East, Tom Fleming. Real name, no gimmicks. What up? Hey, how's what it up, going? What up, what up, ginger prince of the East? How does uh, Mr. Scratch Bastard feel about you <laughs> claiming that title? I told him that he was the king. So, oh, okay, uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, there we go. All yeah, right. I, I I figured that you, <laughs> there was there's a step above Prince there. Yeah, exactly, nice. exactly. I like it. Yeah, man. So thanks for coming by. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. And also thanks for being a big supporter of the show and a listener from day one. Man. I love it. I listen to every episode. That's awesome, man. And uh, you've been yeah, obviously been enjoying the podcast so far. I have. Nice. Any any favorite episodes? Um, I've listened to all of them, and I really like them all. Nice. That's I really like the good, Scratch Bass one. It was, uh, you know, I learned a lot about him that I didn't know before. So yeah, you guys, um, cool. you guys had some connection, obviously, back east as well. A little bit, yeah. Or, or it was kind of not over, too not much overlapping so, times, right? I met him. It was kind of overla- overlapping. He was already outside of the city when I started coming up. So I only met him for the first time in 2013 when I did Red Bull Three Style in Halifax. And then he's one of the judges. So okay, cool. That was our first encounter. Nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Cole Harbor. Um, what do, do you, you guys... Know, do you know Sid the Kid or what? He lived in my suburb, a oh, few yeah? streets over. So we went to the same junior high school and stuff. Oh, shit. But what he up, was Sid? a couple years older, so yeah. we never crossed paths there. But I still remember seeing him rollerblade by the house when I was shooting pucks in my driveway. And he was just... Crazy. On his way back from a road hockey game down the street. Was so. he already a legend back then, I guess? He yeah, everybody like, knew that he was going to be something crazy. So yeah, Cool. My buddy was in, uh, I think, grade nine at the time. or He was in the same school as Crosby, and when he was finishing his grade nine year of junior high, apparently all the kids were uh, lined up to get autographs and crazy whatever so cool before he went off to the u.s and and for our listeners uh south of the border who may not know who sid (laughs) the kid is Sidney crosby player for the pittsburgh penguins hockey uh, a legend in the making yeah um so yeah i mean what's in the water out out there man so many great djs coming from out east man there's a lot of good djs from the east coast i had a lot of good guys to kind of look up to in the east coast yeah for sure i mean like so many have have made it on an international national stage um coming out of such a you know relatively small population i I think historically out there just the music scene in general not necessarily for hip-hop or whatever but the the music scene out there and the culture has always been a big part of kind of east coast lifestyle maritimes and all that it's always been very artsy out there yeah so there's always been a lot of you know cool indie bands cool bands djs cool scene's not big but it's it's very tight cool very why cool. do you think there's so much creativity out there or the arts are, are thriving uh maybe because it's a small area maybe depression plays a big part in it you know? <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> the creativity I mean, is like busy. all right small town what are we gonna do let's try and make something of ourselves so okay. i think that that could be a big factor i don't yeah. know and um what what got you into the dj scene all right so it's a it's a big story. Yeah. All right, let's get. <laughs> That's into what we're it. here That's for. We've do. got That's the time. All right, let's let's, let's get it. Um, I was kind of obviously like the cliche, like been a fan of music for years, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was always listening to, uh, you know, rap music, and <laughs> got into music when I was like, I don't know, ten, eleven, listening to like Fifty Cent. And nice. Nice. Ja Rule, Ashanti. Nice. Classic. Fat Joe. 
Sick. Um, During peak uh, peak uh, beef between Ja Rule and 50. Well, here's the thing. So <laughs> when I was in like grade five and six, Ja Rule was like everything in school, you know? Yeah. So everybody was listening to Ja Rule, Ashanti, Fat Joe, Nelly. That was really big. It was when Ride With Me just came out, and that yeah. was like the hit song. Yeah. So then I went on to junior high school in grade seven, and I was still bumping all the old Ja Rule and Ashanti stuff. And I didn't really get the memo that 50 Cent was the new kid on the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I showed up to school and I was still bumping Ja Rule and everybody's <laughs> like, Ja Rule's a, eh, now. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I got to check out this 50 Cent guy. And then I got into, uh, you know, 50 Cent, G-Unit, and that whole era of music. Yep. Little John, Get Low, all, all the, all the, all the, all the classic the club, club bangers. Club bangers that still work to today, man. Yeah, so I kind of got into the rap music and... uh that that kind of fueled me in my teenage years, and I always wanted to be—I always wanted to be a battle rapper. I was always fascinated by battle rap. Okay, and I—I mean, maybe that's where the whole wordplay—it fa- is where the whole wordplay fascination came in, yeah. which I guess we'll talk about later. But uh, so I got into the whole creativity aspect of just how battle rap and rap in general was just so creative. So did you rhyme? Did you write? Did you uh, I'd write some stuff, you know go on little online forums and do written rap battles. And I thought it was really, really cool. So I was always fascinated by that, but I never had the confidence to actually go forward with being a rapper. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was never anything I actually seriously considered. So I was like, all right, this is just going to kind of be a little hobby of mine to, to write the raps. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, and at After, that point, at that point, you you didn't have know much about DJing or have any. I interest? knew nothing about DJing. Like I'd see some DJs at like on TV and like go to a couple concerts, and I'd see some DJs, and it looked kind of cool what they were doing. I'm like, oh, they kind of get to be a part of the music, and and they don't have to actually rap. have to like <laughs> you know get on the mic, <laughs> be all awkward and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, being the awkward ginger kid, I'm just like, okay. Maybe this is something I could see myself doing. Yeah. Nice. So uh, slowly kind of always had that little fascination in the back of my head. Um, and then eventually it was something that I uh, decided to uh, get into. And then what was, what was, how did that kind of come together? Was All it... right. So kind of interesting story. Let's get it. So I was a hockey player my entire life until I was 18. Okay. I was a goalie. So, you know, I had all the goalie gear and all that. So that was my life. It was just listening to music and being a goalie, obviously. Wanted to go to the NHL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that would be a great career. So um, were you playing at a pretty high competitive level? Um, no, it wasn't anything that serious. So it was just, it was totally just a a, a dream that would never be achieved. Okay. Um, but, I mean, I was playing rep league and I was pretty good. So crazy thing is when I was 16... I started to go blind in one of my eyes oh, just shit. randomly. So it turns out it was an autoimmune retinal disease. Crazy. So I started to go blind in my right eye, and the doctors went to all the specialists on the East Coast, and they'd never seen anything like it before. Crazy. So I basically, in a matter of like three weeks or whatever, I went completely blind in my right eye, and then the doctors were like, oh, well, you'll probably just get the vision back because, uh, you know, we've never really seen this before in someone your age so i didn't <laughs> and then well crazy i started to get it back after about eight months like a little bit but then eight months later it started to happen to my other eye 
And I was oh, like a goalie in hockey shit. too. So, I mean, that wasn't that good for goaltending. Mm-hmm. I was able to finish out my whole goalie career, but not that, you know. Efficiently. I was still, I didn't feel safe, you know, trying yeah. to catch pucks and stuff. When and was, I was it, like, was it something like you were open about kind of with like teammates and coaches and stuff? Or oh, was it, yeah. Like, so, I mean, it didn't really affect my performance necessarily um, at the time, but it, it kind of affected just the confidence with, what I was doing. So I'm like, yeah, I probably can't really continue with hockey that much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I got struck on my second eye, I started to go on a bunch of medications for my eye because I was about to like lose my second eye. So as that was happening, um, I started to gain back a lot of vision in my first eye that got affected, which is good. So now to this day, my right eye is my good eye. So I have like one good eye and I have one bad eye. Okay. So I'm basically like blind in one eye right now. So anyways, back to that. Um, my grade 12 year of school, I, uh, was on all this medication for my eye stuff. So I didn't go blind and it was like some bad drugs, which just made me like mad depressed. So for like a year, I was just kind of tucked away and I was like, Hey, I have a bunch of time on my hands. Let's use this time wisely. So sold my goal year, bought turntables, start to learn how to DJ. And yeah, so I just had a lot of time to myself to kind of put into it. So crazy man that's, so I was that's like obviously like you know going through some hard times the music was like you know keeping me going for yeah. sure and then um, um and then so was it kind of did you gravitate to the club stuff or did you start to go a little deeper with um, uh, your selections at first stuff? i didn't really know what i wanted to do with it, it was i kind of started watching youtube videos like you know typed in how to dj yeah. and that led me on a journey of like <laughs> oh what kind of equipment do djs use what do djs actually do yeah and uh learned about all the gear ended up uh deciding to uh kind of figuring out what i wanted to purchase first so i ended up getting two cdj 200s and a little numeric mixer okay which is garbage yeah. but anyways i learned how to beat match with those <laughs> yeah and uh not, kind of, a, not a lot of scratching going on with the CDJs. no so I, I just learned how to beat match on the uh the two cdjs yeah. And then I realized it was just kind of boring because it wasn't hands-on enough. And this is Sur- this is Serato era. Uh, no, well, okay. it, it was Serato was around, so that's kind of what I wanted to use. Yeah, but you were just, just using actual CDs. I was just learning how to mix on the CDs to begin with. So you were beat matching was, like organically using your ears, not with knowing yeah, what the BPMs are. Okay. Just, uh, cool. just beat matching by ear. And uh, what a concept! <laughs> no, it's <laughs> crazy. No, it's true though. I, I was curious about that because it does make a difference for sure. Like this was about yeah two thousand two thousand eight. I'm gonna say. And for some of the new kids coming up, I would recommend if you're learning how to beat match, don't always just focus on Serato, your screen, and knowing the BPMs. Challenge yourself to not look at your laptop and and just beat match by ear because I think it goes a long way. It was huge for me because it it got it kind of taught me obviously a lot of the essential skills that we use as a dj so it got me to kind of fall in love with hearing that ba-dum-ba-dump like the beats in my head and then finally hearing them go closer together Mm. closer together closer together so i could kind of visualize that beat being matched in my head versus just oh i see these lines on the screen yeah uh, and now now, obviously i grew up uh, in that era as well where you had to use your ears and now i can just do it without even really kind of thinking about exactly there was this this kind of weird visual process at first which is you know just super cool mm-hmm. um and so getting yeah. those first few beats matched and stuff it feels pretty oh, pretty awesome eh? you're yeah. like all it's of a sudden so you're making cool. something new and it's yeah. just like 
flowing so well together. Even if the music I was mixing was garbage, like it didn't even matter <laughs> yeah, yeah. as long as those beats were matched. It's you know, I was mixing the radio hits essentially, but um, but it was cool. So, anyways, I I kind of fell in love with how to like just beat match and the beat matching process alone was just fascinating like that aspect of DJing but yeah. I mean even when I was learning how to beat match I still didn't really know where I wanted to go with DJing yeah I was just like it was kind of cool it was a hobby you're at, and I kind of knew at that point that I wanted to have a career in music somehow you know maybe I was still holding on to the dream of one day Being becoming a rapper there's a, no a money in rapper, rapper but <laughs> <laughs> but uh no so anyways uh really like the aspect of beat matching and whatever and uh then I think before I got my turntables, I came across, uh, let's see. Obviously, I'd always heard about Scratch Bassett being from Halifax. Like, yeah. I remember when I was younger, my brother would come home after going to a show in downtown Halifax and be like, yo, like I heard this guy Scratch Bassett and he was like flipping with records and you know scratching and doing some crazy shit. And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of always stuck in my head. I'm like, oh, like... There's this guy that's like you know doing crazy stuff in the clubs with music, and yeah, he's like, and you could do this out here. This is like, yeah, it's like and... this is crazy. So I mean, this is before I really got into DJing, and uh, so I, you know, YouTube videos of him doing his thing, and it was just fascinating hearing, watching him juggle and stuff. But I still didn't really know what exactly he was doing. Yeah. So I mean, that kind of stuck on my head. Um, I'd see DJs just on YouTube scratching and whatever. And there's still some stuff that I didn't really know what they're doing, like techniques, but I was kind of fascinated by it. Um, and then I guess in 2008, I came across DJ AM and I was just yeah. like, yo, like this creativity. That was the first time that I kind of, it kind of clicked with me that I can be creative like that with music. For Cause sure. I heard him just mixing different genres together and kind of scratching using the scratch techniques that I'd like seeing guys do. And, yeah. uh, like wordplay it was the first time that i saw a word player heard wordplay yeah, for the yeah, first yeah. time it was just like kind of click with me i'm like wow that's that same kind of creative factor as when i hear when i watch uh you know freestyle friday on uh bet or whatever sure. it's like the same kind of part of the brain where people are just messing with uh songs and words and music yeah and i was like yo this is crazy he's such a big influence so many guys on the, on the podcast alone have, have spoken like about him and and what an influence he was in there you know, style. And, yeah, and for sure. It, I mean, people who knew him personally and even people who didn't know him personally, just how much it kind of changed the game for people and opened their eyes up to what you can really do with the technology. Because I think he, you know, A-Track was one of the first guys who got Serato, but he was really one of the first guys who brought Serato to the forefront. Just what he was doing with relative mode in Serato, which mm -hmm. was just crazy. Um, and that was before I, I think I found him before I even got Serato too. So I got to see him do crazy stuff and learn a little bit more about this new program Serato that I kind of saw some people on. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I ended up trading my two CDJs like not very long after that for a tech 12. And, uh, this so guy, the two CDJs for one, for one tech 12 <laughs> and this dude <laughs> that I get. So, deal. and the dude threw in a, a creative records too. And he oh, asked nice. me like what kind of stuff I liked. So, um, it was all like 2000s club hip hop, like all the white label kind of records. So, yeah, yeah. um, cause I didn't really, I had records from my parents or whatever, but I didn't have a collection at the time. Um, so I got to finally just mess around with all these club records, which was awesome. And, uh, so basically I ended up, uh, buying and uh, trading my goalie pads for one of the other, uh, <laughs> turntable or sold those, use that money for another turntable and mixer. 
and then I had my full setup. What was the mixer um, that you got? I think I ended up getting uh, so I had to start with a Numark, and then I ended up getting a Vestax uh, oh, 05, 05 Pro something. Nice, yeah, you yeah. know that classic the scratch one. one. Uh, not too skinny. Okay, like okay. pretty normal size, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then learned how to figure out the tur- figured out the turntables there um, for about like a year until I could afford Serato, and then bought Serato. So yeah. by that point, I kind of knew how to do some basic little baby scratches and mess around with the the records. And you were doing all this kind of in solitude on your own? Like you didn't have like a, a couple people? I never I never days? met a DJ until the first time I DJed. Oh, wow. I had no DJ friends or anything. So that was kind of tough because none of my friends were into DJing or music yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of like used it as a solo project to just learn it all by myself. Mm-hmm. So literally it was just hours and hours of youtube like every single night staying up until like 4 a.m yeah all the time just you know dj am videos live from da 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 and then cool. you know learned about him and uh dj vice was also a big influence i'd listen to all his mixes um am vice spider even yeah listen to his mixes fashion nice. all these guys a lot, a of, lot LA. of la guys actually because yeah. i mean i guess i just started on the dj am tip and uh, kind of went from there like all the guys that kind of fucked with him nice um and fitting with all like kind of what you're listening to club bangers and that right kind and of i like how they just take popular music and just play it in a really cool way mm-hmm. that kind of made it into something new yeah and who are you? you you weren't using anyone i guess as a sounding board to kind of see where your skills were. i had no idea how good i was all i knew is that i really cared about it and as i got more and more into it i just knew that that's all i wanted to do um so i kind of set my goals early like all right i'm gonna have a career in music like by the time i was 18 i bought my first set of gear i, I knew that it was something that i was gonna stick with and i wanted just to master it and like be the best but i had nobody to compare myself with which was kind of difficult too because i had so many questions like i'd listen to the radio and hear djs playing like x mix and funky mix you know like mm-hmm. you know like the radio tracks that are all edited and yeah. have like after the eight bars it has all like the shitty cuts and scratches yeah, yeah, and yeah, shit yeah. and i'd be listening on the radio like all like intently like oh my god does this guy have like three or four turntables like this is mind-boggling yeah. i'm never gonna get to that <laughs> level like this guy's doing this live on air da, da, da. um so that was kind of tough so there's a lot of trial and error when it was it came to figuring out how to actually DJ. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I'd listen to all that stuff and try and figure it out and couldn't. And then just, I guess, from that, I kind of figured out different things that did work. So it was all trial and error for me. But I was just, I really wish that I could have asked DJs questions when I was younger. But I just had nobody to ask. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't until uh, I was practicing in my parents basement for about two years before i actually played for the first time and if it wasn't for my friends that heard about uh, a dj competition on the radio called uh, university dj search so basically oh. what it was was a dj competition put on by this production company in halifax called big city nights and they were basically they were kind of on the edm tip like they threw a lot of dope uh, edm parties in the east coast um, and we're kind of the big guys in the house music scene and uh, electronic scene. So they were looking for a younger guy just to kind of take on as a resident and do some smaller gigs or whatever and kind of set up in the city. So I guess they marketed this competition um, towards the university students. So I was in university at the time, went to St. Mary's University in Halifax. And uh, so my friends heard about this competition. They're like, Tom, 
like they're asking for a 15 minute mix submission for this competition you should totally enter it and of course i had ze- like no confidence at all in my skills or anything so i was like no like get out of here guys i'm not ready for that like i'm not that good yet all these other kids are probably like amazing i'm just gonna humiliate myself like no confidence at all so anyways they're like fuck you tom I'm like do it like don't be a pussy so i'm like are, oh. you, are you scratching and juggling and i was yeah point? so this was like two years in okay basically my whole dj thing and i was on serato for a while now and uh was scratching juggling recording mixes all the time was doing mix videos and stuff for myself and I'll have to dig some up at some point because I still have some shit on Vimeo, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> all the old shit. But uh, so anyways, I ended up reluctantly entering a 15-minute mix to the email provided. Yeah. And uh, I got contacted and they're like, all right, you've been accepted into the competition because I guess they're going to only accept like 15 people or whatever. And then I was like shitting myself like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't do it. I'm <laughs> yeah, still yeah, not yeah. good enough, like still questioning myself. And all, like my, my good friends back home were like, dude just do it like nothing to lose like you've been at this for so long just do yeah, it yeah. so anyways i did it made a 15 minute set um this was in 2010 in halifax so anyways there was two rounds for the competition first round there's about 15 dudes and i was just so nervous um it was being judged by um some of the local electronic guys they had uh legendary halifax dj classifieds dj dj iv as one of the the judges so like i was mad nervous to meet him because i'm like oh my god this is classifieds dj like you know i was just kind of i listened to some of his stuff and i was a fan of him i listened to his old battles i think this is about this is a few months after uh iv's ribble three style set came out from 2010 that was the first time i ever heard of ribble three style and i saw his set and i was just like wow this is crazy this guy's so good so i was kind of geeked to meet these guys because this is the first time i ever met djs ever like period so now i got to like be judged by like and and what was the format of the competition um yes the format was basically play whatever genre you want to do 15 minutes basically judged on like crowd response kind of technical mixing whatever it was kind of vague but it was kind of a party rock competition too yeah um so there's first round anyways i went in it and uh i ended up winning the first round which is like mind-boggling so i think they took the top five to move on to the second round so it was a huge shock for me to win because i'm like oh my god like (laughs) what am i doing here this is crazy just kind of super oblivious um second round was the next week and they flew in grand theft actually to be one of the guest judges crazy um and lo and behold i ended up winning the second round too so basically in my sets it was just open format just all the stuff that i'd listened to growing up like some 80s music some cheesy pop music that was current at the time a little bit of hip-hop um tried to do some acapella work um scratching am-esque style am-esque in a sense yeah Yeah, so like basically just taking all of my influences and putting them in a 15 minute set and basically all i didn't realize that most other djs weren't doing stuff like that because there's a lot of guys that were just straight up edm guys just you know that was like kind of sync on their controller and (laughs) the peak of that that era probably yeah so 2010 and these guys were dope like house djs or whatever but i guess they were impressed that i was trying to do something different um so yeah i ended up winning the second round too and it was crazy because i was like a fan of grand theft stuff too just kind of came on to him through the whole am thing and was a fan of his production like he had the dopest like indie dance tracks at the time like 
all like the 120 128 kind of stuff that yeah. was just you know remixes of like indie artists and super dope so it was cool to get to meet him and link for the first time um yeah and then i started to get some smaller gigs in the city from there and each, at, you know, each week in this competition that went by, were you, was your confidence going up? And you're like, shit, maybe I can do this? No, I still had no confidence. Yeah. <laughs> and were you, each round, were you just kind of then starting from scratch to, um, to, to prepare your set? Yeah, basically. So the first round, I had one, uh, one set prepared. And then the second round, was, it was only the next week. And I mm. had a week to prepare another 15 minutes. So I wasn't, pre- I wasn't used to putting stuff together at the time and I didn't have routines or whatever. So I had to kind of just stay up 12 hours, 15 hours a day and, you know, wasn't going to bed until 8am like every single day to prepare for my sets. Um, so I was like sleepless the entire time. Um, so yeah, put a lot of work in, but I still had no idea what was going to happen. Like I really hoped that I'd win just so I could do something with it. What was your family saying when you're staying up and uh, you know isolated in your basement for so long? Uh, a little bit concerned, but they kind of they kind of <laughs> understood it a bit. Like you know, Thomas, you should get some sleep. But <laughs> like, no, I really want to win this thing. Were so. they are they musical people? Like, was music a big part of like? Growing um, up and stuff? my dad, he's a violin player and okay. plays. Uh, he can play a few different instruments. Um, so there's always the east coast music influence you know like the fiddle stuff yeah and uh little turntable collab coming up maybe with pops no no, (laughs) he doesn't touch the turntables he had a record no no him on him on the strings and you Uh, on the turntable i don't know about that (laughs) but uh no he listened to a lot of different stuff all the way from like michael jackson to Mm -hmm. madonna and everything so there's always music being played um so that definitely was made getting into DJing a little bit warmer because they kind of understood that mm-hmm. music was healthy. They always wanted me to try and my parents always wanted me to learn how to play a violin or guitar or something when I was younger and I wasn't really having it. So I tried to learn violin when I was younger, but it was just, I had no patience. Yeah. yeah. So then I came across the turntables when I was like 17, 18. Yeah. Yeah. And then got into the music side of it that way. Yeah. Exactly. And it was your vision affecting learning or does it affect you to this day? Um, it you didn't know? affect my learning, um, but it definitely affects me to this day. Like if any, anybody knows me and sees me in a club with a flashlight or stumbling, like bumping into tables a lot, mm-hmm. uh, that would be why. Like I have hardly any night vision in the clubs because mm-hmm. to this day I see pretty good out of one eye and – terrible out of my other eye but like both my eyes are still affected so they have some some long-term damage well it's permanent damage so my night vision especially is like Mm -hmm. super affected so most people when you're in a nightclub or a dark environment and your eyes are going to adjust to the dark you know eventually after you know a minute Mm -hmm. you start to kind of get a little bit calibrated well i still don't so i like i literally in dim lighting i don't see a thing shit (laughs) So when I'm out at the club, sometimes it's quite difficult. And if I have a dimly lit uh, DJ booth, sometimes... You must hate Baby Hueys. Oh, I can never see you when I'm there. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have people coming up to me. Hey, Tom, how's it going? I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't who, know you who you are right now. Yeah. And then I feel really bad. I'm like, this guy probably thinks I'm a dick. But <laughs> Classic. public service announcement, I'm not a dick. I just don't see you. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> Fair enough. So you started, you you won that competition, then started um, getting some, getting booked for some club gigs? I started getting booked for some smaller club gigs. So at the time, this uh, company, Big City Nights, they had some spot, like spots at 
or nights at smaller martini bars and smaller spots around the city. And uh, they'd have me doing just kind of chill Wednesday nights, like a little Wednesday retro night while people are sipping on martinis and um, whatever. And they knew that I was young and new to DJing. So these guys definitely mentored me and were very, very patient with me when I first started kind of teaching me how to read a dance floor. Like, all right, if you're playing this kind of vibe and it's not working, just try a different vibe. And then once you like, you know, it's like fishing, you know, once you hook onto that one vibe, just kind of keep going with it until it doesn't work. And maybe before it stops the work, you know, switch it up and go a different direction just to keep it fresh. And so there's a lot of learning. And I was starting in some places that were very, very patient with me because there was low pressure. Mm-hmm. It was just people probably having like a date, you know, yeah. on <laughs> candlelit dinner and, you know, not really focusing the, on like keeping a dance floor going. But there I was still in my head like, oh, my God, they're not dancing. Why aren't they <laughs> dancing? It's like yeah. probably because they're just having a date, like <laughs> you know. So, but it was cool that I got to learn in like low pressure environments. It was cool. Um, so I was playing some throwbacks playing, uh, they wanted me to do a lot of like kind of indie electronic chill stuff. So I kind of found amongst that electronic lane, my favorite stuff, if I had to be playing within that, like those boundaries was like the indie dance kind of French house, uh, synth pop kind of vibe. So I started to like, that was like the first kind of music outside of the hip hop and, uh, rock stuff that I would have grown up on. I was a huge Blink-182 fan, by the way. That's like my favorite band of all time. (laughs) So I came from like all that stuff. But like the first kind of music outside of like when I first started to DJ that I first started to get into was all that indie stuff. So to this day, I still love like indie rock and indie dance and all that stuff and that's why i really like the grand theft stuff because at the time he was just doing the dopest remixes like disco house remixes of tracks and cool so that was like my shit so i was playing all that stuff at the smaller club or smaller bars but i always wanted to get into doing open format like big clubs in halifax because that's what i really wanted to do like play the hip-hop on a big system and just murder that kind of dance floor but uh i wasn't really going to get that experience like playing with these guys so on my off nights, I'd always find myself just going out alone to try and check out the older DJs in the city at these spots that I want to play at. And uh, who were some of those guys out there? Uh, mainly DJ Tex and uh, shit. Tex lives in Calgary now. He's um, a massive fan of this guy. He's dope turntablist, dope party rocker. And this guy DJ Cuz in Halifax uh, now lives in St. John's, Newfoundland. But these guys, like, they were the perfect combination to learn from because one of the guys was just. Not as technical, but his song selection was perfect, and he just rocked out and read the crowd amazing. And then Tex was just, song selection was on point, and his mixing was just absolutely flawless. And so kind of those two combinations together uh, made me learn a lot. So I'd go check out these guys on a regular basis at the clubs. DJ Savory in Halifax, too. Check him out all the time. And uh, but it was always so awkward because none of my friends were DJs, so I'd just be the awkward guy, kind of like chilling behind the DJs or chilling on the dance floor with my single beer, you know, awkwardly pulling the label off because I was all nervous to be in the club, you know, (laughs) and having people be like, "Yo, like, how's it looking out there tonight?" Like, as if I'm just out there creeping, like alone, (laughs) you know, like perverted and shit. It's sometimes. It's sometimes I find it's easier to network when you're on your own, though. Yeah, I know, but like. I was so awkward at the time and had no confidence. So I was just being in a nightclub was such a weird environment for me. I'm just like, oh, this is 
very uncomfortable like here. basically like panic attack every time yeah. i'm in like a social interaction so it was really really difficult for me and i knew that in order to get to these spots i had to be out there and check who was already doing it because i knew i had the technical side of djing down enough because it kind of worked out for me in the competition or whatever so i knew i kind of had the technical stuff but i had no confidence in how i would go about playing the big room and rocking that kind of yeah, crowd playing a bunch of different stuff yeah exactly so after eight months or a year of just feeling really really awkward in clubs and having none of my friends want to come out with me to like check out djs i'd be like hey like want to check out this dj like no we just want to yeah. stay and like get drunk tonight by ourselves like <laughs> um so anyways i was like all right at the time, I wasn't DJing full-time. I was working at uh, a Winners in uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's a dope gig. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I wanted to get out of that. And uh, I think I had quit that for to do better at school or something. And I was looking for a summer job. And uh, I started thinking, hey, maybe I could get a job as a busboy or, like, work in a nightclub so that I get can your foot in the door. not feel awkward and I can have a reason to be in the clubs, you know? So coincidentally, my mother had a friend that uh, worked for the company that owned the big club in the city. And she was like, yo, I'll get you a job. So it was a couple months later, got a job as a busboy at the the Dome nightclub in Halifax. The Dome. The Dome. Dirty Dome. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, that's like the spot that I used to go out to or whatever. And that was the spot that I always wanted to play. Like my whole dream in life when I was younger was like, if I can play at the Dome before I die, like, (laughs) you know, life will be made. You know, that'll be it. So like, uh, so anyways, I ended, ended up busing there. The manager at the time, he knew that I was a DJ. He probably was like, you know, oh, sure, bud. Like, yeah. everyone's a DJ. But anyways, <laughs> this this lady put in a word for me like, oh, you know, Thomas is like a pretty good DJ, like, <laughs> you know. Um, so he's like, yo, like, hire you on as a busboy sweeper, bar back, whatever. And like, maybe in the future we can do something for you. So I was just super happy. I'm like, hey, I'll clean up vomit for minimum wage and uh <laughs> do a bunch of nasty jobs but i was thrilled because i was in the environment that i wanted to be in. i got to carry a notepad with me and shit and would uh you know go in the back hallways and write down a a mix idea if i heard someone do something cool and uh, so i did that for eight months and then eventually um eventually people kind of caught on that oh like i actually do this i was kind of doing some other competitions and stuff at the time too and playing smaller gigs. So I kind of was building up my network in Halifax a little bit more. Um, so people kind of knew that I was a little bit legit. And then my manager called me up one day and he's like, Hey, uh, if you want to do this, like send me some mixes, like we're looking for a backup guy. So like ended up sending him like two hour demo mixes. And, uh, I think I had to send in a third one to kind of bug him a bit. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, cool. It was a Thursday night that I was supposed to actually be busing. And I got a call earlier in the night. It's like, yo, Tom, you're DJing tonight. I'm like, Amazing. oh, shit. Okay. This is, this is real. So anyways, I did like my demo night. And I guess I had an, an all right night. So then I started to, I got a uh, Sunday residency initially there at the Dome. And that didn't last long just because Sundays were kind of shit. So I think they're like, oh, we'll give Tom the shit night just because mm-hmm. we're about to cut off the Sundays to begin with. But it was a super great opportunity. So then I ended up uh, doing Sundays and a Thursday next door at another spot uh for about a year or something and then slowly got the fill-in gigs and then slowly got like the backroom gigs and then i was then i entered ribble three style in 2013 okay and then people finally kind of realized who i was yeah i was still kind of playing the back rooms and then 
Rebel 3 style happened, and that kind of helped me. It's a testament. Take off, it's yeah. a testament to you, though, that you did go out. I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode as well. Just like people not putting themselves out there and being in those awkward situations. And I'm sure it you were was a sponge. so awkward. <laughs> I'm sure you learned a lot, though. You were. A sponge. I learned a ton. And it was just like the only thing that I wanted to do was listen to mixes. Like since I got into it, the only thing I ever wanted to do was listen to mixes, watch DJ videos on YouTube. Like, I'd search up so many, like, you know, DJ AM live from the club, DJ Vice live from the club. I just wanted to hear as many live club mixes as I could and just live club experiences. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely good that that's what I tell everybody that wants to get into DJ. I'm like, yo, you got to go to the clubs. You got to, like, listen to DJ mixes. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to buy some gear and, like, just become DJ. And, like, no, yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. go and do it. Study the craft. Study the craft. Study the guys that are already doing it well and... Yeah, you'll just soak it all in. So, I mean, I I got to hear songs that these guys that before me were playing. Like, while well, I was a busboy, I got to hear the songs that these guys were mixing together. So that definitely influenced kind of my club taste in a sense. Like, I got to hear these guys vibe out on some shit and, and see, see how, what songs see, see, see what songs worked. Yeah. Because I would, I'd be in my bedroom practicing different mixes thinking like, oh, yeah, this one would murder if I played mm-hmm, it in the club. Yeah. And then I kind of have to rethink that when I'd hear these guys playing because I'm like, oh, like they put, they put these three songs together and and they often play those two songs together on a regular basis because they work really well. This is kind of why they might be doing it, like yada, yada. Um, so that kind of rewired my brain into like, all right, I think I know how to how to play a room like this now. So that definitely helped me. Did you have any moments where you were playing those those um you know the sets or the the segments you put together and you're like this definitely is not slapping like it was in the basement? Oh, that's that's happened more than a few times. <laughs> it still happens today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you try and you think you have something really dope and like some crazy idea, and I'm like, yo, people are gonna go crazy when I do it like this, and then they don't. It's just yeah, like, you, all you right, cool. Adapt on the fly. Yeah, it's a big exactly. part of this whole thing for sure. That happens to me, but usually because I'm so baked <laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get high in DJ. I get way too weird. Yeah, overthink everything. Well, that's why I don't smoke during the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, you're saying then, then 2013 is when the, the Red Bull thing started to pop off. Yeah. So I've always been a fan of Red Bull three style. Like I was saying, um, I was a fan of like IV's three style set in 2010. I think it was his East coast set that I was, he posted on YouTube and it was just super dope. Him, uh, TK, okay. TK used yep. to go by yep. Playboy. So like they were the two legendary guys and are in, uh, Halifax and the East coast. And they had always been in three style nationals, um, since three styles started basically and so they were, 2013 is that still they did the regionals or City they were still doing regionals at that point yeah. in 2013 um and shout out to that dope hat you have from that yeah every time i see hey. you rock that like that the, I, I got that? This. the lobster claw one. Oh, that one the yeah, east yeah. coast one that was the sickest one i wear that i wore that hat to the ground yeah, i wish yeah. i could get a hold of another one because it's all faded <laughs> yeah yeah it started out black now it's just dirty navy <laughs> and that was the year that it, the the world finals were in toronto then right um they w- it was yeah. yeah yeah so i ended up entering that competition uh that was one of that was back when you had to get invited to so you kind of had to be somebody in order to get invited into the competition Did you have to submit anything for that or was it just no that was it was only? kind of a word of mouth thing okay. at the, at the okay. time they may have pretended like you had to submit something but yeah. to be honest they just picked who they wanted to yeah, be in yeah, it yeah, yeah. um so i had to actually 
I put the bug in. Uh, I became good friends with DJ Cuz, that was basically my mentor that uh, I worked with in Halifax at the Dome. That was kind of the the guy that I would learn from when I was busing and stuff. So we became really really good friends, and he started to really like my style, and he knew that I really wanted to do three style. So he had the connections with the Red Bull people on the East Coast, and was like, "Yo, Tom, like I'm gonna put a word in. I'm gonna get you in there." So I was playing some Red Bull party at one of the clubs in Halifax and he introduced me to the Red Bull rep at the time in Halifax and this guy's like yo Tom like nice to meet you yada yada like whatever uh show me what you got so I just did a little juggle for him a little scratch he's like all right September 29th you're in it I'll be <laughs> oh, wow. in touch that's dope. so I was like oh shit this is crazy um so that's I was super stoked to do that I still had no idea how I was gonna do I'm st- I was just happy to go in it and just kind of show my stuff and uh September September 29th or whenever it was came around this was 2013 and uh I ended up winning that and I wasn't prepared at all it sounds bad to say but like I came up finalized my set that day yeah I was getting calls on the phone like Tom where the fuck are you like show up to the club and I was still in my room like I don't know what I'm gonna do for my set (laughs) like I had like you know five minutes that I knew I wanted to do but the rest was kind of winged last minute like I had a bunch of ideas here and there but I pieced it together like one time and just ran it through on a clock one time before I left the cl- to the club and was like, all right, 15 minutes. Uh, sounds about right. So, uh, and I had some cool ideas and shit, but, uh, I, ha- I had no confidence in how the set was going to go. Mm-hmm. Ended up, uh, I think I was last that night or second last or whatever, um, going and anyways, I ended up winning. So, and then what happens was, after that? You win the East. So I won the, region. the Halifax regional, and that year, there were eight regionals across the country, all the way from Vancouver to Halifax. So, you know, all the big cities, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg, mm. Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, um, Halifax. Uh, and uh, so I went to Calgary for the national finals. And that was just insane. Like, I tell people, it's kind of funny. Like, when I was there, I was just happy to be there. Like, I felt like a make-a-wish kid. here i am just like holy shit like what's going on here i didn't think i was gonna win i didn't think anything was gonna happen and then here i am and i'm like eating dinner with grand theft and scratch bastard and all these dudes like you know the thugly guys and i think they were there that year and uh a track was the the headline judge so i'm just like wow this is like it's like jesus himself in front (laughs) of me like so uh so that was just mind-boggling so I didn't obviously I didn't place or anything uh that year but I was just super happy to be there. I'm like wow, this is a crazy experience, super inspiring. Finally get to kind of see the world that I want to someday be in, you know, surrounded by all these guys that I'm I've been a big fan of. And uh then I ended up entering again the next year and then been in it a few years since. <laughs> how many how many time how many years now? 3 or 4? Um I think this year was my fourth time. So I did it in 2013, 14. 15 and then this year in 2018 yeah and how are you feeling about battling going forward now um i haven't decided if i'll enter again i I really like the aspect of battling because one thing with Mm -hmm. battling is it just it keeps me from it keeps me from being lazy because as soon as i enter that competition and it's like (laughs) all right you gotta have a 15 minute set prepared for this date you know mm. what? That date's not going to change. Yeah, the and pressure. The pressure's, the pressure's on. on. It's like, all right, the pressure of potential public humiliation is like, all right, cool. <laughs> now I got to work really hard. There's been mixtapes that I've been asked to do, and sometimes I'm a little bit 
slow on my deadlines and you know i can be mm-hmm. a bit of a procrastinator um but and mixtapes are great for you know showcasing your skills and getting yourself out there but just that deadline itself that a it's, dj it's battle happening. has it's, it's like happening. all right it's happening no one's waiting for me i'm gonna sh- i need to show up and be prepared otherwise like yeah. people are gonna think that i'm shit so yeah, yeah. i don't want how that you, to happen how did you feel about your set this year I was super happy with my set this year. Yeah. Um, this was the first year that I actually went into three style because I'd taken a couple years off. The last time I did it was 2015. And in 2015, I was still I was still growing and my confidence was still growing as a DJ. And looking back on my 2015 set, there was a lot that I would have changed. Like I've grown so much as a DJ that I can look back and take a look at my set and be like, all right, that's kind of where I went wrong. And that was I kind still of, regional based. That was uh, best of the east. Okay. Uh, that's so after 2013, they start to break it up into best of the east, best of the west, and they just had two regionals for the country, and then yep. the top three from each competition would move on to the nationals. So I did nationals in 2014 as well, and then 15 um, didn't work out so well. But uh, so I took a couple years off, decided to submit a video this year for 2018, and uh, I was super happy with my submission video. So I was mm-hmm. definitely so wishful dope. of. Uh, getting accepted into it because yeah. I, I wanted another crack at it you know yeah. i was more mature had uh been in toronto now for almost a year probably like nine months or whatever by the time that i did my submission video and like just being in this city my confidence has grown a lot my skills have definitely grown a lot because i've been surrounded by so many like dope guys that are keeping me on my a game keeping my skills sharp um so i was stoked to enter this year and uh was super stoked to get in and i was really really happy with the set that i put together this year so like no complaints about that yeah it's um, one of the only sets that i've actually seen anyone post i don't know what people are scared yeah, about yeah yeah that's i <laughs> mean <laughs> we were uh, diggy and i were both um pretty surprised and, and i think that's why i was uh, kind of asking about battling going forward because it it must have been a bit disheartening this year not to place the, um I, I was very very hopeful this year of doing well because, like I said, like this is the first year that I actually was in it to win it. Yeah. As soon as I entered, as soon as I did that submission video, and as soon as I got word, got that email saying, hey, you've been one of five or one of six or whatever it was, um, accepted into the Canada finals this year. I'm like, yo, okay, no turning so, back. I'm yeah. winning it this year. I yeah, really yeah. want it. Yeah. So I spent, I definitely put a solid three months aside, you know, uh, didn't go out to the clubs like you probably didn't see me huge for three months (laughs) yeah um but uh yeah definitely put a lot of time aside and sacrificed a lot of time to put that set together and put everything together the way that i wanted to so obviously i'm big on the create like the creativity side of things and uh also wanted to showcase diversity and just kind of party rock style um but i really wanted to get uh obnoxious with <laughs> the wordplay yeah. and just creative shit. Cause I'm like, Hey, this is a 15 minute set. Yeah. I just want to put, even if it doesn't place or even if nothing happens with this, at least this year it's cool. Cause it's a live stream set. So I just get my ideas out yeah. to so many people. So like win or lose, like it, it really doesn't matter that much. It would have mm-hmm. been nice to there, win. There's still some exposure. I don't, uh, I personally don't think the placing really means all that much. Um, I mean, other than the number one spot, exactly. On, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Second, third, fourth, whatever. Yeah. At that point, it's, it's like you're saying it's, you did a dope set that you can watch it online. Everyone go check that out. It's a dope set. So thank yeah. you. 
yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. And um, yeah, like like Diggy was saying, it's interesting that you're the only one who's posted your set. Hey, I was way <laughs> too proud of that set. And I worked way too hard at that to not post it. I'm like, so hey. what? But do people all have their sets then? Is that something you um, got? Red Bull from- after about. It was no more than two weeks after the competition that emailed everybody the file of the sets and said, hey, you're free to do whatever you want with so your you, set. So you got a file that had the entire The entire on? set. And okay, they're like, hey, I'm going to have to get that from you. <laughs> if you want to split the set up or whatever, make, post little Instagram videos. Yeah, you're more than course. free it's, to it's, do that. If you want to post, the, them, if you post the entire set on YouTube or whatever, that's up to you. No. So I've noticed some people doing it, but uh, I haven't, seen I haven't, I haven't noticed anybody uh even the American ones, I I've, I got to see. I think uh, Dynamics es- posted his. Espinosa, but I, I haven't been able to. to and then, uh, yeah, there, there hasn't been that many people post their sets, but hmm. I was just super stoked about my set this year. And uh, you got a lot of you got a lot of love though. I got a lot of love, like online, all the, like all the DMs here. and stuff that I got from that is like that just put a smile on my face. Like, and the thing is, this is what I want with freestyle too. Is it just now since it's such a public competition. Uh, it's just great for networking and building mm-hmm. a network. So not only do you get to go into a competition with a bunch of high-level, like-minded people that you get to meet from all over the country, then you get to people that get to see your set online from all the other countries, and it gives them the opportunity to reach out. And I get hit up by a bunch of really dope DJs that I really respect, and it's just great for kind of building a network around the world which is super awesome and yeah and the judges and yeah just the community the way they've really built the community is, has been super dope for for djing in general so you're still up in the air whether that three months of locking yourself down is worth it, it again? was completely worth it this year um i wouldn't change that at all obviously i hope to win yeah. but uh next year we'll see what happens uh as soon as I lost this year, I was like, oh, maybe I won't do it again. It's just so much time. And I was just mm. kind of a little, just a little like sad, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I think as it comes along again, it, I can, it, I can it realize comes around quick. Man. It That's does come around I quick. Noticed. Like as soon as the, I guess it's in Taipei in January. Yeah. And then like, it the seems like by starts, March yeah. or May, they're like, it's submission time again. So yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a year round uh, kind of thing. If I do enter this year, I am going hard <laughs> and I'll <laughs> nice. be in it to win it again. Yes. Yeah. But uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. when it comes around. But yeah. I know a lot of other battle DJs talk about that fatigue. And after a while, they're just like, you know, I'm just done with the battling. Man, even the last three or last couple months since the competition, I just had to lay low. I like, I just, I haven't been, you know, I've been working, but. Mm-hmm. Definitely not at the rate that I had been when I was preparing for my set because it just drained me mentally. Mm-hmm. So I had to chill for a little bit and, you know, it, watch Netflix again for the yeah. first time in like months. <laughs> yeah, ease off on the YouTube DJ videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I still watch those. But. <laughs> um, so uh, so uh, speaking of the club and stuff like that, like do does a lot of the stuff kind of translate? Do you are you able to use some of the uh, the bits and pieces from your set at the club? Um, definitely. So I find there's different venues where I can do different things. For sure. I'm not going to go into a bottle service spot and be like, "Yo, look at this like two click flare and mm-hmm. acapella work and wordplay yeah, yeah. and whatever." No but there's a lot. Thought. Exactly. <laughs> um, I learned that pretty quick. <laughs> but uh, it's uh. It is. I do have some stuff in my arsenal that I can sprinkle in through, mm-hmm. throughout my club sets. So in the middle of my normal eight-bar intro mixing and just normal club mixing, I can sprinkle in some cool ideas here and there. And they will get received pretty well if I set them up properly. It just depends on the environment. Like I, I try not to make the party about myself mm-hmm. because 
I mean, when I was younger, I used to think like, oh, everybody's going to think I'm so dope if I do this. And then I realized that no one gives a fuck. I find if you sprinkle it in tastefully um, and kind of keep it moving and keep the energy up, then like the girls and the people who don't really give a shit will still be happy. But those few heads like in the club that actually kind of are paying a bit more attention, like find it dope. Yeah. Like if I have that one DJ dude come up to me like, yo, that was sick. I see what you did there. I'm like, all right, it was worth it. No one stopped dancing and this made this guy's night. Yeah. And it made me, you know, kind of giggle inside. Like, ooh, (laughs) look what I did. (laughs) For sure. Um, Yeah. So I definitely do it occasionally here and there. Um, So if you see my club sets, you'll, you'll definitely see some cool shit. I'll I'll draw out some of my ideas a little bit to make them a little bit more basic Mm -hmm. and I won't. Yeah, I won't slam through them like I would in a three style set. Cause three styles, fifteen yeah, minutes, yeah. and it's just like pace right, yourself, bang, like boom, <laughs> yeah. boom, boom, no verse, nonstop. <laughs> yeah, like, no here's man. my idea. Look what I did with it. On to the next one. Like, yeah. and so like you, you do the regular club, but you, you seem to have um, got a lot of um, gigs, in the bottle service type vibe. Starting to get into the bottle service kind of vibe, and you know it's really cool. Like, so coming from Halifax, bottle service was not a thing at yeah. all. It was all essentially the same kind of party. So when I was in Halifax, I'd do anywhere from four to six nights a week uh, at different spots. And there's a few different spots that I play at in Halifax. Um, but essentially, it was the same gig. It's the same crowd, whether it's a different club name. It's the same gig. I'm playing the same mm-hmm. stuff. So now that I've been in Toronto, it's awesome that I can kind of experience a different atmosphere to DJ in. And the bottle service things, clubs are completely different from what i expect in halifax and like one of the main things is in halifax all the clubs were dance floor based mm-hmm. and i expected when i moved to toronto like oh it's gonna be like this crazy big city and all the clubs are gonna have massive dance floors and yeah. it's gonna be crazy parties and it's don't boots get me wrong it's crazy parties <laughs> and it's dope but the whole booth aspect of things completely changes Takes kind away, of how takes you away DJ. a bit from the from the dance floor vibe. right so i kind of had to like i'm slowly adapting to how to play those rooms and i'm starting to get the hang of it and find it quite fun but it's so much different because i'm used to seeing like playing that one banger and having everybody's hands in the air raging jumping up and down you know it's like classic college town it's easier to gauge that you're doing a good job but now it's like sometimes people like to they're too cool to smile and (laughs) i'm like all right guys like you got to give me something like are you into this song or not like I see the the selfie camera, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want that picture with the f- a flaming bottle and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool, though, because at least at the bottle service spots, it gets to kind of flex that hip-hop muscle and just play all the gangster trap shit that I might not get to play at other spots. So it's kind of a cool outlet for that. Yep. And that's the cool thing with Toronto. It's just so many different yeah, gigs yeah. and vibes to play. Keeps it fresh. Definitely. Yeah. And how long have you been in Toronto now? Uh, just over a year. My year anniversary was October. Ooh, yeah, happy anniversary. <laughs> October thirteenth. So, so you just you. you I, I'm assuming that the move was just to further your career and just open up doors. To be honest, like when I was in Halifax, I had that spark when I was younger. But the past, three, like I, I'm gonna say after like two years ago, I started to almost lose my love for DJing. In one sense, I I didn't want to lose it. But just playing the same shit night after night just got really monotonous and kind of took a toll on me because I'd try and do something a bit more creative or I'd come to Toronto for a weekend trip 
and I'd hear a bunch of dope DJs playing some cool songs that I might not have thought to play, and I thought it was really dope, and I'd try and bring that flavor back, or maybe like, oh, I'll try some quick mixing like they do at these clubs or mm-hmm. whatever, and it just didn't translate in Halifax. And Halifax is great because it, it taught me a lot of stuff about DJing and how to just be really attentive to a dance floor and really get everybody in a room raging. But it was just once I had that formula down, it was down and at it the end never of the, really at the end of the day it's a small city and I think if you want to kind of grow then right. it's it's and a I logical move. Yeah, and I fully I didn't fully realize that for a while. You know, I got in my head like, oh, maybe I'm a shit DJ because I'm like stopping. I'm I'm not having fun with it anymore. But it's just I could try and play new tracks there that were bumping elsewhere, and it just they wouldn't pop off like how I'd want them to. And then meanwhile, you'd have a couple like the music people in the crowd be like thinking to themselves, oh, like this guy's not playing fresh music. He's just playing all kinds of old shit. Like we get it. We've heard like get like get low by Little John and yeah by Usher and hot in here by Nelly and all this shit like a million times like. And I knew that I was being stale with music, but every time I try and switch it up, nothing would really change. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I can either complain about Halifax being shit, which I did for a bit, which is not the right. I love Halifax, Mm -hmm. but just me getting in my head, I'm just like, fuck this. I'm over it. But no, it's just, it wasn't Halifax. It's like, if I wanted something different, I had to go get it. So here I am. Nice. I had to make the move. And did you hit the ground running when you got here? Or was it hard to kind of get your foot in the door with um, different promoters and getting gigs? Um, I hit the ground running. Like, I was definitely worked super, super hard as soon as I came here. Um, and I knew it, was, it wasn't going to be easy. There's always that fear of failure. So I'm like, hey, I'm here. Like, I'm not going to fuck this up. Yeah. So um, I think I made the move at the right time, though. Like, I had friends in Halifax being, like, two years ago, three years ago, like, oh, Tom, you should totally move to Toronto. Like, you're going to waste your life away here. Da, da, da. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck you. I'm not ready yet. Like, yeah. not ready yet. But it was kind of the perfect storm. And you had um, been coming a little bit doing kind of one-offs. I was doing some one-offs, yeah, here and there um, before I moved just to kind of build the network. And uh, But I didn't really know when I wanted to pull the trigger and move here. I knew yeah. that I kind of had to get some feelers out here. Um before I fully jumped in because I didn't want to just be that new kid on the block unemployed, like trying to pass out mixtapes. Like, Hey guys, like I'm a DJ too. Like let me in. <laughs> but actually it was your, your, one of your previous guests, uh, four corners that convinced me to make the move. You know, he, uh, we linked up in Halifax one time met him in Halifax and one of my trips that I made, uh, up here for one of my gigs, uh, linked up with Kirk and, he just gave me some real advice and mm-hmm. put it on me. It was like, Tom, you need to make this move. You got to nice. be here. Yeah, he's great. He's and a great guy to talk to about business advice and stuff, as you heard in the amazing. Uh, yeah, episode it was a great, him. great episode. And yeah, he was just super straight with me. And I was trying to play devil's advocate, like, but like, you know, but I'm making all this money in Halifax. Like, maybe I could just come up here for one-off gigs and try and market myself. And he's like, no, <laughs> you no, got to be here. You got to do it to do it. To you do need it. to make this move like sooner than later. You got to mm-hmm. do it. You yeah. got to do it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, but what? It- no, you got to do it, Tom. Yeah. So that was huge for me just because obviously I respect him as a DJ and respect what everything that he does with his brand and how he's grown himself. So I'm like, for for uh, an OG like him that's as well respected as he is and who I have so much respect for to tell me that, it's like, all right, I'd be stupid not to listen to him. So yeah, yeah. That and, was and definitely... sometimes you a- need that push, right? Like Totally. Like, otherwise you're going to just 
maybe sit there right you'd be sitting there right now complaining about Halifax. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent I would. I'd be talking mad shit. <laughs> And how do you find, uh, do you find a big difference in the community, um, the DJ community out east in here? Like, is, is one more friendly or is it like a little closed off or? Um, no, I love all the DJs in the East Coast. Everybody was super friendly. There's no beef between DJs. Everybody was good friends. The social circle was like, there just wasn't that many people. So everybody was super tight. Yeah. Um, everybody got along with each other. Um, I will say that Toronto, it's a lot tighter because i can just find more like-minded djs Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of djs there were djs in halifax but i didn't relate with as many of them because everybody had their different styles so now that i'm here there's a lot more djs that i can kind of relate to on a style basis and learn from like there's also there's a lot of guys to learn from in in halifax um there were some guys that i could learn from music selection wise and just kind of how they'd play girly music to a girl crowd and just and kill it. So it's like, all right, cool. That kind of opened up my mind to that kind of side of things, but maybe they're not the most technical. And then there's the guys that are super dope, like IV and playboy on a technical level and just all around that I can kind of learn from and look up to. But outside of that small, small circle, there weren't that many guys. And then I started to become the guy that people kind of look up to. And I'm like, it was kind of awkward. Cause how am I going to learn anything? Cause yeah, yeah. I can't learn, you know, there's like not that many people to learn from. So, but now that I'm in Toronto, there's so many guys that are just really dope that I get to check out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, try and make it out to Huey's on Mondays, check out oh, Diggy yeah. and Dan- uh, the danger zone. Monday, I didn't <laughs> learn a lot from this guy, <laughs> but no, like there's such a good network of guys. And since I moved here, everybody's been so welcoming and, you know, welcome me out and, you know, have a good little social circle now of fully DJs. Whereas sure. my social circle in Halifax wasn't all DJs. It was just tended to be the people that I was surrounding myself with in the, uh, the whole club scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I know which I, is, I is have, great. I have all, very but... few friends that aren't DJs now. <laughs> I'm like enough. trying to get people out to my parties. They're like, Oh, I'm DJing. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first time I've actually had like almost exclusively DJ friends, which is amazing. Cause when you're going to grab food with your friend, you're not talking about some bullshit that's going on in someone's life or whatever, or this or that. And they're this, this guy's an idiot or did it or like just <laughs> negative talk. It's like, yo bro, did you hear that new album? Yeah, like, yeah. yo, like, <laughs> did you watch that new video? This DJ put out, that was sick. And it just kind of constantly keeps my brain thinking about DJ shit. For so sure. that For is sure. like the whole DJ mode never gets clicked off, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's just so many good DJs here. See, Toronto people are nice, man. I don't they know what the nice. rest of this country is talking about. Only to DJs. Everybody <laughs> in the East Coast <laughs> is like, oh, Ontario's arrogant. And it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, half of you guys are out here. <laughs> I know. There's so many East Coasters out here. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, so how do you? How are you staying fresh now? You were talking about some of the you know sets, not necessarily being stale, but by design because they weren't. If you started getting fresh, they weren't popping. What are you? How are you keeping your finger on the pulse these days? Um, one thing that I recommend to every DJ is just go out and listen to other DJs all the time. Like if, if you're on, if you have a night off, there's no excuse to not be out listening to some other DJ. And honestly, whether they're a really really good DJ or a shit DJ, like I'm not one of these guys that's at a club like, oh, this fucking DJ sucks, like. He's garbage, because you know what? That guy's probably... Okay, you're not from Toronto, then. <laughs> no, but, like, I mean, I've heard some great DJs in Toronto. I've heard some guys that aren't so great, but I can still learn from the song selection of yeah. all these guys. Like, I could hear a, a DJ train wreck a mix, but 
he's playing two songs that I never would have thought to play in the club or I haven't heard in a long time. I'm like, oh shit, like yeah, yeah, I could yeah. do this proper and do it a lot better than this guy and I'll you know, maybe I'll try and add one of those songs to my set to kind of keep fresh versus just constantly being in my head like, oh, this is the only thing that works because this is all I know or whatever. But, you know, go it on a month. There's Monday night parties in Toronto. There's Tuesday night parties in Toronto, <laughs> Wednesday night, Thursday night, yeah, like yeah. you name it. Just... It's important to get out there for sure. I've, I've definitely noticed that. I'm trying to do more of that. Yeah, you for sure do that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a working DJ, so I'm out there and I get to, I, I'm lucky. I get to see what everyone's kind of doing but on, on those nights off where you have where you pop around a place i think that's like super important yeah and speaking yeah. of uh just how i got rolling in toronto it's like that's it as soon as i landed here i just you know spent way too much money uh going out <laughs> almost every night of the week mm-hmm. yeah. but that's what i did i just went out every single night and met djs and just gave off positive genuine vibes and you know people fuck with the energy that you put out there and yeah it's like if if they if people can tell that you love it and you're kind of out there supporting then how are you going to get gigs it's like oh i'm that guy that stays to the lights come on and you know i can appreciate your set mm-hmm. and then if you're looking to need a if you need a fill-in or whatever who are you going to think of first oh shit like tom's always out he can probably he knows the vibe he's not gonna fuck this up too bad like <laughs> yeah. no for sure for sure that's big yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, I think we're very lucky, especially in this little slice of our DJ world, this, you know, people who play the clubs, the turntablists, like this little niche subgenre. I think everyone's super tight and really open and welcoming. And I've been just seeing that more and more now that we're getting through the this podcast and the reception from other DJs. And when we're out, it's um, it, we're, I think we're really fortunate. For sure. It's all love in the T dot or, or the six. Sorry, sorry. I'm aging myself. I'm going to go T dot. Come on. Own it, buddy. When did it switch over to the six? When the six god came. (laughs) When the six god descended upon the 416. Now now I'm like driving down Bathurst Street and I see like dental offices that are called like, you know, the six six teeth or whatever. The six smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. So so you were talking about um, you're a big wordplay guy. Tell us a little bit about wordplay Wednesdays and uh, the 12 days of wordplay that's coming up. Yeah, so I got 12 days of wordplay is coming up. So um, it's funny. Wordplay Wednesday started off as basically a way just for me to push out content because I was kind of um, when I first linked up with my manager, shout out Omer. Um, shout out Omer. So when I first linked up with him, we were trying to figure out some ways uh, just to get myself out there because I had zero brand at the time. And uh, like in addition to him being a manager, he's also a great mentor of mine. And uh, we we constantly sit down and think about how we can push content and how we can kind of build myself in many different ways. And he had an idea like, all right, just set your set your goals off small like let's just do one video every week on a wednesday i know you like to do wordplay stuff let's just do this let's do wordplay wednesday just do a video i know you got all these wordplay routines just do it put it out there so i started putting out these wordplay videos on instagram and facebook and i just i tag all the record pools and do all the hashtags i started to get some followers through that and uh it kind of became a thing and now people kind of know me as the wordplay guy mm-hmm. which is kind of cool i don't mind because i really like wordplays and i like to do some creative shit with music um so yeah it's been going on for like 
a few few years now, two years maybe. I think that was the first um, exposure, uh, uh, the first thing I saw from you on social media. I think you were doing a gig maybe at like Odd Thomas or something here in Toronto. And then I was like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? I think that was actually your thing. Like, who the fuck is Tom Fleming? Or yeah, that was Omar's whole thing too. He's like, yo, let's just like catch attention and just label your... It was kind of a joke too when he came up with the whole who the fuck is Tom Fleming. He's like, <laughs> you know, like we need something like just to catch people's attention. You know, like no one knows who the fuck you are. Like, <laughs> you know, we could even just name like a tour, like name a hashtag. Like, who the fuck is Tom Fleming? No, it, it was smart because it actually, thing. it actually fucking, it actually like caught my eye, and then I like kind of went back. I looked at your videos. I was like, oh, this fucking this guy's pretty dope. And then I, that's when I invited you to come out. I think I needed to fill in for the Get Good at the Drake. And then you were like, yeah, like, I can't make it. I'm, I'm flying back to Halley, but, like, I'll fly back and fucking do the gig. Yeah, so I knew how to fly myself out for that. And I'm, like, super yeah. thankful to you for, like, helping me out since I moved here, too. Because, like, that was huge. And, like, you introduced me to, like, all, like, half my DJ friends now. Like, I got to meet, you know, all the guys. Yeah, yeah. Dope. No, and- it, yeah, Omar cut me that check. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, that just just from the social media and putting out the content, like I think that's very valuable because it, it, it's just a good, easy way to showcase like that you actually have some skills, you know? Exactly, and it's just doing something on our, like keeping yourself to doing something regular week after week. Just the consistency is just huge too. And, and putting I, the pressure on yourself, to the keep pressure it on myself. Consistent. Like, all right, every Wednesday I got to do this, and yeah. I've been slacking on the weekly videos because I've once I gained a little bit of a following or whatever, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to fuck it up by doing too many videos and start to really stretch for ideas. Mm-hmm. So I figure it's better if I just put out some like really good quality, quality a little bit quality. less, yeah, you know, um, less frequently mm-hmm. than I would normally. But starting out, it was great because it was just like, all right, I'm going to force myself to do this every single week, every single week, every single week. And, uh, that definitely helped build a network online too which is great and uh, got me into doing some, those led me to linking with you and uh, also doing some mixes for the record pool club killers. Yeah. Yeah. Super dope. And like that was, that that was super dope because uh, that was really what I guess, uh, I don't know, raised my profile a little bit in DJ community. A lot of people got to uh, hear my mixes. So basically, I would take Club Killers in all of my Wordplay Wednesday videos. And uh, eventually, they started liking my videos, started commenting on my videos. And then one day, they asked me, hey, Tom, like you let us know when you want to drop a podcast for us. And I was thought that was crazy. I'm like, holy shit. This is like That's one, of, one, of, so that one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, uh, po- like DJ podcasts platforms in the dj game yeah um gave me that opportunity and like all these guys are getting like thirty thousand, forty thousand listens mm-hmm. on the podcast and it's you know pretty good stage like all my favorite djs have done po- uh, podcast mixes for club yeah. killers so i got that opportunity that was dope that all came just from tagging them in social literally media. just from spamming them on social media with videos week <laughs> after week after dope. week after week and essentially from doing all those videos i had enough content to put a cool mix together the first time. So basically it was a compilation of a lot of wordplay Wednesday videos sprinkled with some new tracks, some vibes. So that was my first one. And I did that. And who hit you up for that then from, from their team? Um, Alex dreams. Okay. And they're Vegas based, right? Vegas based. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out, uh, shout out those guys. I mean, they've helped me so much. That's actually one of my favorite record pulls. Now I've been on now maybe for like eight months or something. And 
I really kind of like the layout and uh, and the the song selections and the curated spotlights and all that stuff. They have one of my favorite they pools. Do, they yeah. do a really good job. I I recommend that to everybody. Like to club every every younger DJ or any DJ that's like, yo, Tom, like recommend me a, a record pool. Like I'm biased or whatever. I've been repping them since I first joined. Like I put all the guys on the East Coast onto them back in like 2013 because I heard about them on. Uh, on some other DJ blog site uh, years ago, I heard some people talking about it when it was really, really new and fresh. So I just decided to join. I'm like, let's check it out. And they had all the throwbacks, yeah. like the whole back catalog, which was amazing because a lot of record pools don't have the back catalog yeah. and yeah. they don't have the old shit. So and there's some old stuff that I had to get up on. There's still some old stuff that I will need to search up and get. And they have like clean, dirty, all the intro edits and cool uh remixes and they have a good crew of like in-house producers that do some dope shit yeah, yeah. Uh, like with all the fresh shit too which is super dope and do you need to be a member to listen to your uh podcast mixes no you can find all that on mixcloud i think it's just mixcloud uh slash club killers radio or club killers you can just go on club killers and, and just search click, tom fleming click mixes yeah nice so it's all there so so that was super cool so i'm i'm, I'm actually working on my third mix for them now Okay, I'm kind of a bit late on my delivery since, uh, <laughs> as you mentioned since earlier, the th- since the three style <laughs> thing came up, I kind of had to put that on the back burner because I didn't want to waste all my cool ideas on a on a mixtape and get it all out there before three style happens. So um, now I'm just playing catch up with the with that and uh, and then have you connected with uh, any of their team kind of in person and stuff? What's the relationship like there? Um, so actually, me and my manager Omer flew down for uh, Club Killers meetup in Boston. Okay. Um, back over about a year and a half ago now and we just figured it'd be a great networking opportunity because i mean no one's gonna come searching for you no one's gonna be like oh hey you want to like do this or do that it's just like you might as well just bring yourself to the places where you can meet these people absolutely so i mean i had done a couple mixes for them and uh you know chatted online with a bunch of them so it's like hey might as well put a a name to the face so Mm -hmm. flew ourselves down to boston ended up uh linking with uh dj deville Alex Dreams, and uh, yeah, dope. You know, dope. Chopped it up over some uh, some food and some Boston clam chowder. No, it was actually uh, <laughs> a great brunch spot. But <laughs> nice. and I uh, got to meet a lot of the the New England DJs too. So that's one of those things. Is just continue to build the network and yeah. just uh, reach out to people. For sure, the power of reach outs is yeah. uh, For sure. definitely with, important. With just, the internet and social media, and, it's and crazy. All like no excuses. Just like. I always felt awkward about DMing people before. I'm like, why would anybody want to hear from me? But, you know, it was, if someone's doing something dope, shoot them a DM and just be like, hey, that mix was dope. I really like this. I really like that. I'm a big fan. And you'd be surprised with how people receive that shit. Like, Yeah, it's funny. There's, uh, I know some people are kind of, like, leery about, like, doing that kind of stuff. But I've, I've noticed, like, I have friends. Well, I consider them, like, they're kind of like Instagram friends. Like, I have so many of those, yeah. Like, like-minded DJs who, like, I've never really met in person. But there's a relationship there just from DMing and, and commenting on certain things that they're doing. And it, I don't know. It goes a long way. And it's just cool because you're like-minded individuals. You know what I mean? Exactly. And... It's it's funny you say that because I have I've like met a couple Instagram friends that I'm now going to feature on my uh, 12 days of wordplay as it's coming up. So back to that, I uh, this is the third year that I've uh, that I'm going to be doing this 12 days of wordplay thing. And basically it's inspired by uh, a series on Power 106, uh, the Los Angeles legendary Los Angeles radio station um, 
and they used to do this thing called 12 Days of Mixmas. Okay. And I think that was one of the first DJ AM mixes I ever heard. Like okay. the legendary DJ AM Power 106 mixes. Those were, I'm pretty sure, on 12 Days of Mixmas on Power 106. So okay. basically, so. I think 12 days leading up to Christmas, um, this was during the mid-2000s, I think, they'd had a series where they'd have all the dopest club DJs in the country for 12 days, just mix live on air and just rock the party, just do party rock sets. Mm-hmm. So they had like Vice, AM, all these dudes. Uh, I think it was hosted by Eric Deluxe and Big Scythe. Um actually got the link with deluxe there since i moved here which is dope so that's the thing about toronto there's so many dope guys just come to town all the time you just get the link with because you're just also in town yeah um so yeah i I figured that would be a good way to push content just straight super heavy during the holidays so especially since i've been off from the wordplay videos for a while that's going to be a nice little comeback so Mm -hmm. that's uh that'll be coming out very shortly and Dope. I think I asked uh, Diggy to be one of my guests too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I guess Sick. that that time's coming. The pressure's on. I got <laughs> shit together. Yeah. So I got uh, I got Diggy, I got uh, JQ from uh, Seattle, originally from LA, okay. and it was funny because we actually he was an Instagram friend that I, I got to meet in person when I was out in Vancouver at nice. the uh, the three style finals there in October. So that was dope. He came up from Seattle, and I got uh, Steve Dub from LA. He's gonna drop a a guest mix too so Sick. Dope. all dope guys that i just love their uh their creativity like diggy has some of like the sickest mixes in in toronto <laughs> that i hear like every time i'm checking him out he's just doing some dope shit that catches me off guard and like i'm always smiling so i'm like yo i gotta ask diggy like <laughs> nice we'll get it done we'll yeah it so done. that's coming up i'm i'm gonna be heavy on those videos uh in the next well, God, I was going to say week, but next couple of days, I'm going to have to start putting in some work yeah, recording yeah, yeah. those. You know, I got all kinds of ideas, so I'm going to maybe take some ideas from three style that may have went over people's heads that, uh, that didn't get the fully, the kiki. Yeah. I might, put, <laughs> might, might put that one in there. I really like that one. Yeah. That was yeah, dope. That was <laughs> so what, what else, what else can we expect in 2019 from Tom Fleming? Uh, I'm hoping to travel a bit more. Like my whole goal with DJing, I, I like the residency stuff cause it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get paid from it, obviously. Um, and it's good for just a lot of experience and exposure, but I like my goal with DJing is to do a lot of traveling and just play a bunch of different clubs in different cities. So I kind of want to going back to the whole networking thing yeah, meet and just, your, meet your Instagram friends in right. person and play and with I them. I think that's, <laughs> that's huge. Like leverage those connections. If you have a buddy in a different part or like different country, whatever, why not hit them up and see if you could just play a party with them like you don't have to get a crazy amount of money like you can invest in yourself and when you're still starting out it's like you know put yourself on the plane put yourself up in a hotel whatever and you might lose money initially but hey there you have that connection you get to you know flex on the social media hey i played at this cool spot and yeah you get those experiences too it's like all right dope i played in this place this place so um that's kind of my plan and great advice for sure that's kind of my plan in 2019 it's just to not worry so much about not get too caught up about just what's going on in toronto because toronto's it's a big city but it's always just going to be you know the same kind of stuff it's going to be here the scene's not going anywhere it's not going and i i always want to kind of look bigger than that because i never want to get caught in the same the same kind of dilemma that i was in in halifax Mm -hmm. where i just get so comfortable and i'm just like Nah, I'm going to this gig tonight. Like, you know, fuck my life. Like, <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. like, and I have never felt that way since I moved here. I love everything, but uh, I always want to just kind of keep it moving. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit down for a second and be like, oh, I'm so comfortable now. Like, oh yeah, I got a Toronto residency now. This is sick. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like keep my life's moving. made. It's like, like, what's next though? Yeah. So, 
I hope to make my way to uh, the U.S. in like March-ish. Nice. Maybe do a little East Coast tour there. Got something in the works. Um, doing Bermuda for New Year's Eve, which should be fun. Oh, oh, nice. So I'll get a little bit of sun. It's still not like mad hot there, but you know, at least I won't have to wear my parka. <laughs> and maybe this ginger face can get a little tan. <laughs> tan um, or turn red. <laughs> ex- let's be real. <laughs> I'm going to turn mad red. How, um, how do you approach a set in like the Caribbean? Um, I've only played, played down there I've only played in Bermuda once so that was my only international gig so far um, played there last June so like June 2017 and it was interesting because people are obviously like Bermuda's an interesting place it's like kind of an honorary Caribbean island but it's not actually in the Caribbean it's okay. lots it's, of expats and stuff there too there's a lot of expats so a lot of people that live there um, there's some native Bermudians but there's a lot of people that are from the UK there's a lot of people from Canada, a lot of people from the US, and a lot of people go there because they can make a lot of money and it's all in American. So if you just had some basic job mm-hmm. in Canada or the US or wherever, you can go to Bermuda and do that same like basic job and get shit tons more money and be able wow. to kind of afford a lifestyle that you might not be able to afford mm-hmm. back in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a lot of people like that. Then you have just like your native Bermudians. But obviously... So it's going to be an all Drake set. <laughs> no, not, not quite. But I mean, it's still it's still island culture, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, even though it's a little bit north in the in the Atlantic, but so they still identify with like all the dance hall and soca and like all that stuff is pr- like huge, huge, huge. Yeah, and the um, Afrobeat stuff. Yeah, so like hip hop super big too. So for New Year's, I'm gonna be dropping like more so like they're bringing me into more so to do an open format set. Okay, because cool. I mean, I can't do dance hall or soca better than a dance hall or soca of DJ course. down there, you know. So. I'm not trying to, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to do that, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it's kind of a tough crowd to play for, but like fun, mm-hmm. just, you can be hip hoppy. You can give them some dance hall, some cool stuff. Like as long as you're having fun, I think they, uh, they'll be having fun. So I'm excited for this year too. Dope. Yeah. That's a good way to set off 2019. Set it off with a bang. You know? And then you'll go into a Red Bull three style again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make my, I'm trying to make my way to Taiwan. I think that'd be cool for the, uh, the world's. Again, that'd be a great networking opportunity. And uh, so I'm trying to make that happen for January or like late January. It's coming up soon, man. It's coming up soon. So I'm trying trying to figure it all out right now. Um, So I've uh, been kind of uh, browsing uh, some of the flight prices and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm just trying. I'm, we're trying to start this little campaign online to get that free trip. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you know, I want that too. <laughs> Back off. I'm just joking. <laughs> Anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, let's see. Where uh, can people find you on social? You can find me at DJ Tom Fleming. And don't get it twisted. There's only one M in Fleming. So it's F-L-E-M-I-N-G. I, I made that mistake Amazing. when I originally wrote my notes. but then I Everybody it. always puts <laughs> two M's on posters. And I'm like, all right, uh, it's not the end of the world. But, like, yeah. you know, it's Fleming with one M. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my mix cloud is uh, at Tom Fleming. And are you pretty active um, on there? I'm starting to post more stuff on Mixcloud. I have like my Club Killers mixes on Mixcloud. You can okay. find my all my Red Bull Three style mixes on Mixcloud. Um, I'm going to be posting a lot more stuff on Mixcloud in the coming months. Like I'm going to be doing a house mix coming up soon. I have a lot of stuff on my plate right now. Um, going to be doing a house mix coming up soon. Going to be doing a Club Killers mix coming up soon. Um, I'm going to be doing a mix for actually. Going back to the whole three style thing with just how how good it is for reach outs, I got hit up by this guy uh, in South Africa, um, Ryan the DJ, 
Okay. Uh, he asked yeah. me to do a, a mix for his radio station in South Africa because um, he Crazy. he found my stuff from uh, I guess watching the live stream and Instagram and stuff. And he's like, "Hey, I'm a big fan of your stuff. Uh, you want to drop a mix for us?" And he told me he's had some dope guests on before, so it's like, dope. so I mean, he I was have, the South African. He won South Africa last year. Last yeah, year. So. he's not in it this year though. Um, I think it was a judge or something. I'm not okay, sure, but cool. yeah, he's super dope. I was a fan of his stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like just cool that guys that I'm a fan of like hit me up and asked me to do stuff. So gonna bang out that Club Killers mix first. Twelve days of word plays and uh, work on that mix for him. Dope, man. Well, we I'm look uh, forward to all that shit, man. Nice, man. So th- once again, man, thanks so much for coming by and taking yeah, the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, and man. Yeah, man. Peace. Peace out. Peace. Set, 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 set.